in the darkest worlds that ever were. The only thing that brings light are stories. Those stories are kept in one place. The tiny bookcase. Hello, explorers of the Sacred Library. Hello, hello. I'm Nico. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to The Tiny Bookcase. Today, we are joined by a guest who the scrolls describe as a fantasy author who sees the world through a glittery pink lens. A kindred spirit. We'd like to welcome Winnie Tatar. Hello, Winnie. Hi, how are you? Very, very good. Are very well. How is everything over the pond? Um, it's <laughs> as, um, as good as it could be, probably. I mean, at least for me, I'm, I'm pretty okay. You're based in uh, Carolina, is that right? South Carolina? Yes, South Carolina. South Carolina. How has the, uh, the lockdown been treating people in South Carolina? Well, probably I would say as good as it's been treating everybody in America. Um, <laughs> uh, but for us, at least, we've been, I mean, slowly kind of going down in cases, at least in the area I'm in. But uh, I can't say the, say that for the rest of the country. It's all right. I think uh, everyone's having a funny time of it, aren't they? It's not, uh, there's no sort of set standard for anyone because we've not really had this before. Yes, that is true. Not at all. How are you finding it uh, with your work? Have you been more or less productive, do you think, in during the pandemic? I actually have been more productive, which surprised me a lot. Um, and I think it's just because I didn't really have much to do. Um, I'm a college student, so I go to university um, and then I just do nothing else. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a lot more time to work on my books and writing and my blog, which has been really fun does seem to be a bit of a writery trend, doesn't it? There's a lot of writers we're speaking to say, well, I don't really like to brag about it, but it's been really good for productivity. Yeah. Yes. But on the flip side, as we had from uh, Benjamin Langley in episode three, he was saying it's not a great time to put work out uh, in, in that you can't uh, promote it properly. Like you can't go to uh, bookstores and do book launches and this kind of thing because it's either not allowed wherever people are or... Um, it's limited or in some way hampered or pinched. Yes, I know for, I mean, at least for us, um, a lot of people, it's just more safety and um, regulations like the mask and six feet. Um, I don't know how to put that in <laughs> Senate meters or meters, um, but um, usually just... Um, I've seen most people, especially authors, do more virtual um, book touring and things like that. Um, just finding creative ways to promote and advertise their books. So that's been very fun to be a part of and also like study and watch and take note of too. Well, creativity is the name of the game, isn't it? It is. Well, yes. we've got some stories to go through today. Um, we've got a really fun prompt, actually, and Nick's going to be going first. And the prompt is... Hey, handsome. Hey, handsome. The voice of Gio Gambizi cuts through my work 
You knows I don't like to be interrupted when I am at my business. With a heavy sigh, I put the wrench back into the large toolbox. It lands with a satisfying thunk, and a light spray of gore splashes back from its landing. I don't know what this piece of shit did to upset the boss, but it must have been pretty bad for me to be doing the work that I am. I guess I'm pretty close to finished anyway. You can't have more than five teeth left. Them big ones at the back may take a lot of work to get loose. Handsome, you gotta get in here. I hate that nickname. See, it's it's one of them what's meant to be ironical. I, uh... I had to pull apart a couple of the boss's dogs when I was starting out. This real mean fucker got its mouth around my face. Swear to God, in that moment, I thought that motherfucker was gonna eat me. Hard decision. You know, I could have tried to hurt the dog, but the boss... Might have finished the job on me, you know, if he liked the mutt. Dogs. They got this crazy thing, right, where they can lock their jaw and make it real hard to pry them off. The boss's doctor did some good work on my face. I gotta keep one of my ears, and both of the nostrils work. The boss said I was a good kid, and he even kept paying me in those weeks when I couldn't work, you know? Started calling me handsome not long after that. Once I was a little less uh, purple. I get it, you know? It's, it's cause I ain't pretty no more. I mean, I don't like it. I'm not gonna tell the boss that. There's this one guy named Joey Fantaine. Boss called him Thumbs, right? On account of how he gouged the guy's eyes out with his thumbs. <laughs> pretty badass as far as I was concerned. Anyway, he starts talking shit about it, how he's done a whole lot more than that, and he wants his recognition. But the boss makes me take the thumbs right off the guy with a pair of them uh, garden clippers. Now we don't got that nickname no more. Gio tosses me a washcloth as I walk into the bar. I slide the door to the back room closed. Jesus, man, wipe some of that shit off your goddamn mug. Hard enough to look at where that's some schmuck sprayed all over you. Got that shifty look a lot of the small players has when the boss is close. Eyes are darting around like a kid who's just decided he's gonna swipe a vig and now has to answer to the capo. I give the rag a cursory scrape over my features and dump it on the bar. Ruin, most likely. You know, it's hard to get blood out of fabric. I move past Gio to the back of the bar, where I know where the boss will be. Handsome, good, sit. Adores him told. I always do. Ain't nobody else ever gonna give me a chance. Not with half a face and, uh, hell, how does Dino describe it? A distinct lack of transferable skills. I got him to explain that to me. It's funny. I need you to, to handle something for me, handsome. There's no pleasantries. I don't expect them. And he ain't got them to spare on me. 
One of the girls got beat up real good. Go check on them for me. See if you can find out about the guy that did it. You see, the boss always sends me when it's something to do with the girls. Vinny told me once it's because not one of them would ever run away with me on account of my, uh, face. The boss had punished me pretty bad for snapping Vinny's arm like I did. He's an asshole. Think he might have been telling the truth, though. Most of the girls won't even look straight at me. And I know their work ain't so good. I ain't never given them any of my dollars, though. You know, it makes me feel bad. I, I see my nana when I look at him. Not that my nana... Just like none of them girls, it was half as beautiful, but, uh... You know. I leave the boss to his cigar and head out to talk to the girl. Her name's Lelissa, but the other girls tell me they call her Candy. She got beat up pretty bad. Whoever did it knew exactly where to hit somebody so they stay awake and feel the beating you give them. If it hadn't been done to a broad, I might have been impressed. She tells me about this asshole. Apparently, he tells her he's coming back tonight. He didn't pay for the last round, and he sure as hell ain't paying for the next. I don't like people who try to eat for themselves like that. That money belongs to the boss. I tell her to put a steak on her face, and I plan for the evening. One of the rooms got this big closet in it. I put her in there, and tonight, I get to come out of it. Like a monster. <laughs> That's pretty funny, right? I come lurching out like some kind of Frankenstein. Hopefully scared a guy half to death before I even hit him. It's a boring afternoon. The girls don't look at me. Some of the older dames have been here even longer than I've been around, and they talk to me like they know me. Kinda like it. They all call me handsome, too. Sounds weird coming out of their mouths, though. I mean, they tell a whole bunch of fucking ugly dudes that they're handsome. So they kind of say it different. It's 3 a.m. before Candy's visitor shows up. I let him get down to his socks, give him a moment to lose focus. That first slap lands real hard. I feel bad for Candy with that one. Like I say, the guy's a professional. The arm comes back up the swing again. I get the whole thing in my hand. A combination of squeeze and a twist in the right way does interesting things to a guy. He's already making this weird noise by the time his head turns to face mine. He drinks in the missing ear, my ripped nose, my milky eye, like you see in the ghost of Christmas past. I hit this sucker right in the fucking throat. Means you can't scream when I do what I do next. I ain't gonna tell Candy to leave. If she wants to see what I do to him, that's up to her. I would have liked to see that dog get put down all them years ago. I understand the hunger. I didn't decide if I was gonna kill him or not till it was already done. Maybe he was thinking about the dog that did it, but fuck, I never even thought about stopping hitting him. I clean myself off on the sheet of a bed. That girl Candy's just staring at the mess I made of his head. Looks like a half-eight egg. 
I check your shit. First, gotta get the boss's money. Then find out who the fuck he is. Was. Shit. A fucking badge. This asshole's a fucking cop. Was a cop. Well, he ain't nothing now. That could be a problem, though, and if his buddies come here, too. I get the candy girl to help me drag the body outside. She's mostly just opening doors for me and shit. I push my way through the front door and I stop dead. Squad car. Probably his. With his fucking partner sitting right in it. The guy looks over. He's already started yelling. She charged you extra, man. How long are you going to take? He sees me. He sees what's left of his partner. Fuck. I ain't got the kind of face you forget. Do I just kill another cop? Do I run? Nah, the boss is gonna take my knees if I run. I don't even got a fucking piece right now. Covered in blood, I'm hefting half a motherfucking cop. Shit, okay. I throw the cop's body as hard as I can at the passenger side window where the partner's sitting. It hits the glass with a wet thud. Guy recoils in his seat. Gives me time. I get in there fast enough that he hasn't drawn his gun. I know I must look like his fucking nightmares as I push into that car. And I use it. Let him be afraid. Fucking cops should know to fear us. I kill the dumbass with his own gun. Tucking into my slacks. Better call the boss. Sun will be up soon. I can't dig two graves on my own. I exhale and look at the cop I beat to death and the one leaking brains into the back of his car. Just three ugly motherfuckers. Except they had it on the inside. Thank you, handsome. The candy girl whispers it from the doorway. And for the first time in years... I fucking believe it. What a great performance. I loved it. The uh, huh? the voices. Oh, those might be your best voices yet, I think, Nick. For real, yeah, thank you. Are, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Those were awesome. I was like, oh my goodness. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make sure you didn't hear me like, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, let me be quiet and listen. <laughs> Yeah, the trick is to go out to your driveway, get a big handful of gravel, and just eat the entire thing. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, and then work out how to do the, the mobster thing. I think I just have watched Goodfellas enough times. That, that's the real <laughs> trick. Yes, I think if you watch that one, like, at least eight times, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get something. The, uh, the, the, the hyper-violence of it was excellent. I uh I really enjoyed the the bit very near the start with um the guy that's called Thumbs and the garden clipper image. Yeah, Oof. that was really horrible. Like I could really see them popping off off his hands. There were a yeah. few bits like that in writing it where this character definitely didn't know the word secateurs. <laughs> so <laughs> so I had to find the right way to <laughs> to say it. 
<laughs> At least she didn't say those uh, big scissors. I don't know. I, uh, I was going to write hedge scissors. So <laughs> it's like hedge does not sound like an American word either. <laughs> I went and got hold of my secateurs. <laughs> I was. I would have probably had to look that one up. Like what is? Um, I didn't actually. Uh, get Goodfellas vibes from it. I got closer to something like Sin City. He's got a lot of Marv, hasn't yeah. he? He's that got character. A lot, of, a lot of Marv, yeah. Have you have you encountered Sin City, Winnie? No, I am not surprisingly a big mobster fan. Mobster? Mob fan? Um, <laughs> I think like my knowledge is probably The Godfather and then Goodfellas. Like that's that's probably it. <laughs> Well, the yeah, I mean, it's got it's clearly got a lot of uh, mobs movies in it as well. But I think there's also like a noir element to it, isn't there? Like, I'm surprised he didn't say the word dame more. You know? Oh yeah. I, I went with broad <laughs> instead. Broad, yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it was really flavorful and like really, really uh, well acted as well. Very well performed. It's definitely one I feel like I want to explore more of. Which it happens, you know, every so often when we're writing these little pieces to a prompt. But I definitely found something I liked in that one. So, what what do you think it was that you connected to? Possibly the hyper violent noir thing. It might be my my love of Sin City that did it. But there there were some content when I realised, oh god, yeah, he's Marv and he's going to go and be around a load of prostitutes. How do I make this not Sin City? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it like it gave me Sin City vibes, but I, I don't think it was Sin City. Like he wasn't yeah. Marv. Um, it, it was, it was, it was different, and it, um, I, I think possibly because it does have that big Goodfellas, Good uh, Godfather angle to it as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. It change, changes it a little bit, which is good. Um, I like yesterday watched the new Tom Hardy Capone movie, Al Capone movie. All right. So really. I had I had that in my head as well whilst I was thinking about that, but that's a really strange movie. That that's it kind of doesn't go anywhere, and the point of it is that Al Capone was a bad guy. That's what I got from it. <laughs> we just, know that bit. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like it was a bit redundant, really. Um, but Tom Hardy's very good in it. But he does really a really strange voice for Al Capone. Like this is the completely uh, neuro neurologically damaged syphilis Al Capone late in his, yeah, yeah. his life. And yeah, he, he does a really messed up voice, and I. So obviously, your your voice working that was quite evocative of that as well. Um, but uh, unlike unlike that movie, yours actually had a point in the story. So <laughs> nice work. <laughs> I totally forgot about that movie. I just, I mean, maybe because I'm here and I've done, I've had to do like reports on Al Capone, and I've watched so much TV on him. And I'm just like. Eh. It's another movie. I think <laughs> that's such a weird cultural touchstone, isn't it? We would never learn about Al Capone in school. No, never. We we might get a passing mention to the Valentine's Day massacre. Oh wow! Yeah, I I think maybe back in like maybe I was eleven or twelve. We had to do like a whole like series on. Oh, I can't remember what it was. Like I think like quote unquote bad people of America, and the person I did was Al Capone. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like this man was crazy. But it's just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's the impression I get from him. 
<laughs> that definitely seems like uh like dropping the smoke grenade and running doesn't it as well <laughs> no children you're gonna learn about the bad people you know the monsters stop looking at the politicians the mobsters <laughs> <laughs> bad people of america i don't think uh i don't think they'd have the uh the nuts and bolts to do that in the uk i think we hide our bad people to no we, we give them crowns ben Oh yeah, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> we call them things like Lord Protector of England. <laughs> hey, now we're not getting onto Cromwell. Let's 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 leave that at the door, son. Oh, you wait till we hit Longshanks. <laughs> Edward. Right, we're going to lose our lovely American guest in our obscure uh, no. British history. No, no, I'm having fun learning. <laughs> well. I'm very excited, if you're willing, if you want to give us your story, perhaps. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. I'm so ready. I'm just going to have to... <laughs> that voice was... That took a toll. <laughs> <laughs> huh, I might leave that in. <laughs> Maybe go rinse out the gravel before we continue. <laughs> yeah. The strange thing is Nick can actually do that voice without eating gravel. The gravel is actually a choice. He can eat yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the way it just, feels on my teeth. He just likes the taste of it. Yeah. Not quite like fresh aggregate in the morning. <laughs> I entered through the front door and I was hit with the stench of blood. I rolled my eyes. Oh, great. Cat's home before me. I made my way into the living room to find her sitting there on the couch, twirling a knife in her right hand and texting on her phone in the left. She sensed my presence and lifted her head from her phone, smiling. Hey, handsome, welcome back. I scoffed and looked at the dead body laying on our carpet. Mind you, it was the carpet I loved to play my games on, and now it was tainted with some unknown human body's blood. Gross. Hey. I'm sorry about the mess, Kat said, following my eyes to the lifeless man. But I did try to make it up to you. I made your favorite for dinner. Salmon! She wiggled her eyebrows. I ignored her and went to the kitchen. At least she did make salmon, which made me a lot more happier. But, of course, we still had that dead man in the living room that we'll have to deal with later. But I could put that off, hopefully, as I continued to eat. My sister Kat was an assassin for hire, or as she liked to call herself, a freelance killer. I, at the moment, was only a, what do you say, um, wandering couch potato. Still, I tried to pull my weight around the apartment, you know, making sure to be alert about any strange figures that would come in or out, or keeping my messes usually to myself, or hiding cats if I needed to. It had been this way for a couple of years now, since I moved in with Cat after our sister Morgan had died. After she passed away, Cat became my guardian of sorts. At first, I wasn't too happy about the new living arrangement, but I was still a young lad, and I really couldn't change much about it. But on the bright side, Kat usually let me do my own thing while she did hers. Except for the occasions where she would bring work home. Much to my dismay. 
I tried not to pay attention to the pungent smell of the man as I ate my food, but it was hard. It was a smell my sensitive nose was accustomed to, but it's still a corpse, something you never want to have as a dinner guest. Cat walked in to the kitchen and sat down at the kitchen bar. So, she started, where did you wander off today? I disregarded her as I continued to eat my food. As if I would tell her where I went, she would know. Heck, I barely even know where I go and wander off to most of the time. I just love to get out the apartment every once in a while and explore the city. Well, at least the safe part, not like the places we live in or had to have lived in. Sometimes I would just go out and walk for hours exploring, seeing, and meeting all different types of people and creatures. It was so much fun. Or sometimes I would go and hang out at the local fish market and mess with the fishermen and sellers down there. By now, they've been accustomed to seeing me as a regular customer. So much so that sometimes I get freebies from them now and again when they're feeling generous. Hey, don't you ignore me while I'm talking to you? Cat said, cutting me off from my thoughts. I finally realized that the smell of the dead body was getting too much for me to eat. I quietly left my food, still ignoring Cat, and went back to the living room to examine him. The man was wearing a navy blue suit with a brown tie. He was overweight and slightly balding, and the color from his skin had all drained out. I looked to where Cat had stabbed him right in the middle of his chest. And from the amount of blood splattered all over him and around him, I could tell she did it more than once, which is pretty typical of her. She is an overkill. No pun intended. I looked at her and she shrugged. It's a long story. I'll tell you later when I get the cleanup crew in to fix all of this. I sighed and left her to be alone with her guest. I went out to our balcony railway and decided to sit there and watch the moon. I loved to watch the moon every night. It was one of my favorite things to do after coming back from a long day of doing, well, walking or nothing, really. But the view of the moon from our apartment was so beautiful. And out here, with the brisk air... I could better shrug off the rancid smell flooding the apartment. The moon was always a wonderful sight to see. It would usually draw me in as I closed my eyes, taking it in all slowly and carefully. There's so much comfort on these nights. With the background noise of bustling cars and people down below, it felt like I was one with the stars, the moon, the sky, just observing all the humans, all the people in their natural habitats, going about their nights. But all of this was cut short quickly because I heard some thumping and then the breaking of our front door. I quickly whipped my head around to see what was going on. There were two burly men with guns drawn and pointed at Kat. Kat quickly rushed behind the sofa and pulled out her own weapon. The two men and Kat exchanged fire. I was so scared, frozen, not knowing what to do. This had never happened before. Kat always would keep her stuff 
outside the apartment. And even if she bring it in, it wouldn't be this much. But all I knew is that I had to help her in some way. I don't know how, but I had to. Think. Think. What can I do? What can I do? I got to get hold of one of them. Maybe to even the playing field. Okay, that's what I'll do. I slowly pranced out from the balcony and into the living room. Okay, I can do this. I steadied my breathing. I can do this. I quickly latched onto one of the men's legs, sinking my teeth into his calf. What the? He screamed. He quickly grabbed me by the neck and threw me against the wall. My head slammed into the wall and I fell down limp. I heard Kat scream with a ray of bullets falling after. All I could see was the red oozing from my head as my vision became spotted and I slowly passed out. I don't know how long it was before Kat rushed over to me and picked me up in her arms, cradling me. Oh, handsome, my sweet little kitten. Thank you for trying to be so brave, she whispered. I huffed. (laughs) Yeah, the one time I tried to intervene, and it turns out for the worst. Don't worry, though, she said softly, petting my head. I'll get you to a vet as soon as possible, I promise. (laughs) Promise. Promises seem to be all humans like to do, yet they never really hold weight. You can never believe them until they're fulfilled. Her sister Morgan promised me that she would be with me forever until the job she and Kat shared turned her into a liar. Kat promised me that she would take care of me and keep me safe. But now look at me, clinging onto life as it slowly pulls itself from my body. Kat started to panic more as the minutes ticked on. Moving around our apartment with me in her arms, rushing trying to call somebody, anybody, that would be up this late to possibly save me. But we all know no one was going to answer. We all know no one would come and take a cat from where we were in the city. No matter how much cat would have paid them, it just wasn't worth the risk. To think, this all started me wanting to come back home, eat a nice meal, and watch the moon. And now it seems I might turn into one of the stars that accompany the moon in the sky every night. I wish I could have stayed longer, be here with the humans, meet the ones that I always see at the fish market, or even the playtime sometimes me and Kat would have when she wasn't working. But I guess it's my time to watch over the humans as they continue making their thoughtless promises. Hey, handsome. Cat spoke softly. Please stay with me. Come on, boy. I know you can do it. Please stay with me just for a few more minutes. I'll try my best to do everything I can. You just got to stay with me, okay? Please, handsome. Huh. I always hated the name handsome. But it was the name Morgan gave me. She thought I was the most handsomest kitten she ever seen when she first saw me. And, well, the name just stuck with her. Handsome? Kat's voice is starting to fade away slowly. Her figure is fading away, too. 
just like the moon does before the sun rises. Hey, handsome. Handsome? Oh. Wow. It was a goddamn cat, and I didn't know it was a cat, and then I got sad. <laughs> yes, plot I didn't mind twist. when a human was going to die. That's fine. I'm not a sociopath. <laughs> Please edit this out, future me. <laughs> Maybe because I don't own a cat, I was like, oh, it's okay. I can sacrifice one for the story. <laughs> Just smash one's head against the wall. It's fine. <laughs> yes. uh, the uh, opening with, a, with the smell of blood was... Was a, was a strong start. I feel that's that's always that's going to grab people's attention. It's uh, it's setting people up for a wild ride. I, I usually don't. Um, <laughs> ironically, well, not ironically, but I usually don't type this short. I actually had to cut out a lot of this story because <laughs> I felt like I was going to end up making a novella if I kept going on with it. And um, I just kind of every time I write, I kind of just go overboard but i was like no let me at least <laughs> at least let me like cut down this one time and keep it you know short and simple <laughs> short and sweet yeah, it's it, it's actually quite difficult to hit the um to, to keep it under the uh like inside the word count sometimes i find um because yes. uh, we write roughly around 800 to 1500 words for the stories on this podcast and the amount of times i've hit 1500 and just been like this needs this needs another thousand. It it really does. Yes. What happens to me every time is I look down. I'm at seven hundred words, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm nearly done. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much I'll get out mm -hmm. of this. And then I look down again, and I'm at fourteen eighty three. <laughs> yeah, I'm not done. <laughs> yes. Like I thought it was going to be easy because I, I'm used to like I was like, oh, it's only eight hundred. I can do that, and I'll be fine. But then I was like seven pages later i was like oh <laughs> um <laughs> i i don't think <laughs> well it was an exceptional uh exceptionally world weary feline I, i've never felt quite so bad about being human i don't think just this this cat being like you've broken promises i don't like it <laughs> um yeah but I, I also uh proper like i don't know what the right word for it is but like it, 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 I sounded like a bit of an idiot, I think, because I, I said uh, like when you when you initially described the character of Cat, and they had a they had a they were very clearly human because they were twirling a knife and they had their phone, and they had a body by their feet. I just sort of in my head went, huh, "Look what the cat dragged in." <laughs> uh, but, oh, I uh, should have added that. In. I didn't even think of that, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, I, I did a pretty dumb laugh on my end. I don't know. If, I think my mic didn't pick it up because I leaned away from the mic deliberately. <laughs> you saved yourself. I'll cut it in. <laughs> the uh, I wrote down the phrase "freelance killer" because I was particularly fond of it <laughs> when you said it in your story. I uh, I'm stealing that for something. I don't know what yet. Maybe business Great. cards. Great, good to help. Business business cards. Yeah, that that's a good way yes. to go. Win Tata, freelance killer. Oh, <laughs> any kind of registration form, you know, for a doctor's surgery or op uh, opticians profession, <laughs> freelance what, killer. What's the tax like? Yeah. On it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends if you know where the uh, the person processing your tax return lives. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, that actually, <laughs> there might be a market 
hold on. <laughs> mm. uh, well, that was that was really interesting. I, I like stories where they're from um, uh, an odd perspective that that's sort of revealed as the story goes through. It's uh, it's always it's always fun. It always keeps me on the edge of my seat. So thank you very much. No problem. Had fun writing this. Now, so far, and this seems to be a trend this season. We've had two reasonably. Uh, oh, they're not both sad, but my one was definitely unpleasant, and that one was also a bit gory. <laughs> Have you completed the absolute horror show? trifecta ben or are you going to take us in a new direction i guess you'll have to just find out <laughs> then show me hey handsome hey, hey handsome. handsome he shouted to himself not caring if anyone heard him the shout bounced away over the lake until it shivered the leaves of the trees on the far bank the noz smiled at his reflection in the still water happy with his joke as he did so, he saw his lumpy visage split open to reveal thin, widely spaced, crooked teeth. They stuck out from his gums like yellowing stalks of corn protruding from furrows before the harvest. The Noz felt his eyes begin to water at the sight, and the flippant facade, which he was affecting, folded. Unable to look away from his reflection, the Noz covered his hideous mouth with a mottled hand and sobbed into it. Fat teardrops splashed onto the mirror-bright water, and dissipated the horror that he could see. The Noz clambered to his feet and kicked at the water's edge petulantly before stomping off into the forest. As he went, his instincts drove him to speak out loud. Buggle Noz! Buggle Noz! Buggle Noz! Though he did not speak much louder than you or I would during a normal conversation, his voice projected ahead of him in a manner that was disproportionately loud. He heard all the creatures of the forest scurry from him as he tramped a path through their land. Even the simplest animal knew what those words meant. All knew to flee from the face of the Bugglenoz. It was not the critters that he worried for when he went wandering. This much we know. Humans can be so clever that they are incredibly stupid sometimes. Fear can wind them tighter and tighter until they unravel in an action they consider brave. When the Noz spoke... He was speaking to their guts, telling them to go inside, find a hearth, sleep until dawn. The night is no place for humans anymore, as we shall learn soon. He considered the times when the folk he shared the land with had found him, their eyes searching for him in the dark of the mossy forests and rock-strewn hills. The Noz hated to remember their screams. He had tried to count them once but the Noz's memory only stretched so far back. He knew he had lived a long time, and memory can die when you live all your days alone. If ever there was a creature more lonely than he, I do not know of it. Though he could not remember all of them, he knew what had killed them. To look upon a creature as ugly as the Buggle Noz is to die. So he continued to mutter as he stomped, listening carefully in case any humans drew too close. Buggle-noz! 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 Some of us refer to him as the Night Shepherd. He overheard that once, and liked it. He considered sheep far easier to herd than humans, though. When the wolves used to come in in ravenous packs, or when other far stranger things would stalk human folk, 
he would stomp ahead of that danger, shouting his own name. Then the people of the settlements would stay abed, and when the dawn came, he would return to his mound and sleep, knowing that they were safe whilst the sun shone. We do not know how much happiness we owe to the Noz, but then again, nor does he. Stomping along, his foot still wet from kicking the lake, he followed a path up to the stones that he tried to take regularly. People liked it during the day as well. He could always find so many bootprints in the ground that he could imagine he was walking with friends. He liked to pretend that they had been separated for a moment, and he would find them again soon if he followed the tracks. Normally, the sight of those stones standing tall and still gave his relentlessly sad mind a comforting moment of calm. When he reached the place, however, the stones were gone. I know what you're thinking. 3,000 stones that have stood since before history began do not just vanish. The Noz thought that too, and rubbed his mismatched eyes in disbelief. Then he heard the sound, grinding and rumbling like a far-off storm. Old memories of the elder days began to wake within him. Before the Bretons claimed that land, there were the Veneti of Armorica, who stood against the men that marched beneath the Aquila. And before them, there were another people that lived the reality of myth. He knew he was from that time, and the languages of that folk flooded through him. Within, he heard their tongue once more shift with the passing of time and the influx of new cultures. From it all, he could translate the warning he needed to shout, and he spoke their name. Minherden! The Noz bounded away towards the sound of them. It was in the direction of the nearest settlement. The noise of them grew louder and louder as he approached. He shouted their name over and over again, but not even the powerful voice of the Noz could leap them to warn the folk beyond. He tore through the forest with bounding leaps, swiftly beginning to catch the rearmost of them. Their granite features held no eyes to see him, and as such they did not recoil or perish at the sight of his repulsive appearance. In fact, they paid him no mind at all. They were tall and narrow, their limbs made from the weathered rock that had stood still for many ages of mankind. Rough and angular joints made their progress through the forest a slow and loud torture on the sensitive ears of the Noz. He wove between them, passing through the great crowd of stone men with his leaps and twists that narrowly avoided collisions. From them, he sensed their intent. He instinctively knew that of all the horrors he had warned people of in the night, that this ancient threat was his reason for drawing breath. He could see ahead that they had already reached the outer farms of the settlement, the sound of their cold, stone, fingerless fists, smashing the heads of the families as they slept, cracked into him like a whip. Without thinking, he turned from the carnage with the intention of taking a shortcut he knew how to get ahead of them and warn the rest. His loping stride soon left them behind, and he jumped out of the forest and onto the smooth path on which the humans liked to paint strange white and yellow lines. This, he thought, would lead him straight there. With a flash of light and sound, the Noz was caught up by his knees as something hit him from behind. He was tumbled upwards and landed heavily on brittle glass that shattered under the impact of his misshapen side. The sudden momentum ceased with a squealing noise. The Noz groaned as he slipped from the glass and onto the front section of the metal contraption which had hit him. Groggily, he looked into the car. The convulsing bodies and screams of the family within as they saw him 
quickly stopped as their minds gave out from the ugliness of his countenance. Their slack, dead faces swam into focus for him, and he began to weep as he pulled himself clear of the wreck and broke into a shambling run towards the settlement. There was nothing he could do for them but to grieve. The smooth black trail swiftly led him to the settlement. Lights twinkled from the upper floors of the many buildings, and yet more lights illuminated the smooth paths that crisscrossed through the place. Not far behind him, he could hear the grinding of granite on granite as the men heard and their lust for killing an unstoppable tide now grew near. The Noz looked down at himself and saw that he was bleeding from where bits of the glass still stuck out of him. Summoning all of his sadness, pain and fear, the Noz bellowed, Menherden! Menherden! Bogle Noz! It swept through the town, forcing people from their homes. It drove them away from him and away from their oncoming deaths. From where he stood on the smooth path, he saw many of them get into their metal contraptions and leave in a hurry. Some simply stumbled bleary-eyed and ran from the noise. He kept it up, shouting and shouting, until his voice croaked away and his vocal cords snapped. The men heard and crunched past him into the settlement to find their intended victims had fled. As the sun began to rise, casting a new day's light into the settlement, the Noz saw the men heard and begin to slow. Their stone limbs stiffened and solidified with their bodies. Once more, they became tall monolithic stones standing still. They stood in the houses, in the parking garages, in the schoolyards of the settlement. Three thousand stones that had moved with violent intent, now motionless. The Noz watched them until he was sure that they had stopped. Then with a groan, began to drag himself back into the forest. He knew that our world had forever changed that night, when a spell older than memory frayed and finally snapped. He also knew that he would not make it to his burrow, and so, upon reaching the lake once more, he crawled and splashed weakly into it. The Noz, upon reaching the centre, opened his mouth as if to speak, but no words came out. Instead, the lake rushed in, and he sank beneath the surface. Soon enough, it was quiet and still once more. What have I told you about making me feel things, Ben? <laughs> that you like Aww. it, you want me to do it more often. That's true. I want to feel something in this <laughs> husk that I inhabit. <laughs> um, I've got to ask straight away, is the Buggle Noz based on any existing mythology? It is. It's, it's, it's based off... Um, Breton myth. Um, it's uh, yeah. It is. It's uh, as it, as it sort of is indicated from the story. It's a it's a creature like some kind of fae, perhaps. Yeah. That um, stalks stalks yes. the forest at night, and it's thought by many to be a benevolent spirit because yeah, it it sort of drives people away from danger. It's sort of, yeah. As I, I think I said at one point, like go home, lock your doors. Yeah. There's yeah. a problem out mm -hmm. here. Um. But also, it's said to be incredibly ugly. Uh, so when when uh, Winnie, when you picked the prompt, "Hey, handsome," I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it." Buckles Nose story. Uh, that's, that was my my immediate thought. Um, the Menherden is a little bit different. It's that that bit's not folklore that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. it's sort of roughly based on like trolls and stuff like that. That you know, because I've, I've just read quite a lot of things like it. Um, yeah. But there's a place in in Brittany called Karnak, uh, which has 
3,000 granite obelisks, basically. Um, okay. And they're called. Cool. And they're called. Uh, and they're like 5,000 at least BC. Is the is the people don't know who put them up? It's a bit like stone. Yeah. The Stonehenge of Brittany. See, I I got a big Stonehenge. Vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except on like a massive scale. Like one of the, one of the stones is um, I think it's six and a half meters tall, which is just enormous. That's it's so big. And uh, there is a Arthurian. So they're sorry. They're called they're called um, menhirs. Is one of the words for them. These tall obelisks. Yeah. And then uh, Dun, I think. I, I don't I don't speak Breton, uh, but I think Dun is men. So it means like tall stone men. So what you're saying is that you are 100% convinced and you will state for our listeners that Stonehenge, this uh, men here place in... So it's called Karnak in, in Brittany. Brittany. Yep. Karnak in Brittany and Easter Island were, are all populated by previously sentient <laughs> stone monsters. See, they're trapped by a spell, a curse, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> what is it with you and curses? Like you're not happy without a good curse. What? <laughs> curses are awesome. I love, well, <laughs> well, as long as they're not put on me, <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty much fine. Have you, have you had much experience with curses on you? Uh, I can never, uh, no. <laughs> I'm just going to say no. You very nearly said you can neither confirm or deny, didn't you? <laughs> uh, all that being said, and all jokes aside, I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Like, yes. I really felt for this horrible little creature. It was so nice. It just wanted to do good. But it was exactly. lumpy and gross, and it had... Uh, I wrote this down. Let me get my piece of paper. Teeth like yellow stalks of corn, which was really <laughs> evocative. <laughs> just really uh, gross. <laughs> I just I, that part. See, I love corn. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, "Oh man!" <laughs> like, <laughs> so my head didn't go to like the color. It went to him actually having like corn, like actual corn cob teeth. And I was like, "Oh, that's <laughs> that would also work." The uh... <laughs> yeah, I, in this case, it would also work. But yeah, I, I did feel bad for him. Yeah, but it's been said a couple of times this season, but um. Uh, less is sort of more with the description sometimes. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it, I, I sort of wanted to conjure the idea of a creature that you couldn't really describe. So there's only a few little bits of description. There's that bit at the start just to kind of get your get your juices going really about it. Um, but then there isn't much. There's maybe a bit about his misshapen side a, and his eyes or whatever. But... Yeah, there's a great yeah. phrase you see: his mismatched eyes. Mm. And my my immediate first thought was Bowie. And then, oh, yes. then I thought, no, because he's he's hideous and Bowie is mm-hmm. ethereal. And yes. I Majestic. my brain drifted off in like sort of one eye being sort of a stalk slug eye, quite possible, and yeah. the other one being a, sort of a wet puppy dog eye. Yeah, really, really grim, but also cute. <laughs> I felt sad for the thing. <laughs> yes, it. I think I was thinking more of. You know, like those, like some people where they have like these dogs and they're like, oh, it's, it's cute. But the dog is kind of gnarly looking like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> that's what I was getting. Like, just like one of those, uh, well, ugly, cute dogs where, you know, they're sweet, but outside everyone kind of goes, ooh, 
<laughs> so that, except that if you looked at it, it'd kill you. <laughs> just it would be so ugly that it would just kill you oh. accidentally, and then it would cry about having killed you because it's so ugly. I know. But, uh, Poor baby. Last <laughs> last week, I uh, I went from from the real world into the fantasy world. So this one, I wanted to kind of start with the fantasy and then take him into a real settlement. Um. So it was a bit, it was sort of an odd thing trying. I kept on describing it as the settlement. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, did it come across that that was a modern town? Well, for me, I thought this was more. Nah. Oh, that's a bad word to use. Um, I'm going to just say no. I got. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it was more like medieval, medieval or right. um, Middle Earth y. Middle Earth y. Yeah. If I can use that word. How about you? It was. Uh... For me, it was when you started describing they got in their, I think you described them as metal carts. Contraptions, I think, yeah. Metal contraptions. Yeah. And I thought, are oh, they getting in their cars to leave? Because I knew it had to be post, you know, post Bretons, post Normans, post. Yeah, yeah. All of that. So I thought, well, I didn't know how far past it was until I hit that point. And I thought, oh no, this is now. This is. Little fellas acting like an air raid siren. Yeah, yeah. I, and I sort of, I, I had this really. One of the things that started me off was this idea of the, the buggle nozzle. This creature of myth in the forest stumbles onto a main road and gets hit by a car. Was oh man, that, that was like where the starting point was, and then I kind of built the story around it. So that's why there's the bit where he gets on the smooth road that has weird white and yellow lines painted on it, and then gets hit by a metal contraption. You. Man, you could have had him get hit in a street race, Fast and the Furious style, <laughs> and it could be Boggle Noz, uh, Boggle Noz, oh, Toggled Nos, and then... <laughs> just Vin Diesel gives him the finger on the way past. Yes, family is the most important thing. <laughs> boom, family, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Got tire streaks all over him. Fast <laughs> and the hideous. The fast I can't wait. Hideous, yeah. fast, fast and the hideous. He can only drive in cars with blacked out windows. Oh, because oh, he's from an age of myth. He could be the past and the furious. Oh, look at that. Oh, we need to get Vin on the phone. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. He uh, might make it. Vin Diesel. He loves fantasy. Vin stuff. Diesel, if you're listening, get the fuck on the podcast. No, seriously. No, probably, can you imagine? No. <laughs> no, Vin, if you are listening, and I'm sure you are, we'd love to have you on. I know you have a busy schedule. What with being Groot and the fastest man on earth, or whatever, I, I don't really remember. He's got like I, I, he's got like ten more Fast and the Furious movies to film. He doesn't have time for us. Now, yeah, hear me out. Probably I have like six more in the works. I, I'm actually quite a big fan of Fast and the Furious because it's yeah, I, Ocean's Eleven on wheels. Hell yeah! I love watching them. They were or watching them, watching the movies. I know, I think, don't they have a new one that came out or is coming out this year? I actually haven't been following it. I, I have a friend that's uh, very into it. I, he's actually been on the podcast already, Brad, Brad Rawlinson. He loves he loves Fast and the Furious. Real real guilty pleasure of Brad Rawlinson. That shows an incredibly low capacity for both guilt and pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> he's going he's to love hearing this back. I can't wait. I should ask him if he'll edit it. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm glad that we managed to get from uh, the age of myth to the Fast and the Furious in that. That was that was impressive. But we've got some uh, got some questions for you, Winnie, if you're if you'll deign to answer them for us. 
Of course. Excellent. So the first one is, what are you reading at the moment? Well, at the moment, I just started this book by um, Octavia Butler called Kindred. And, well, I haven't started. I've bought it (laughs) and I've been meaning to start it. Um, But it's, um, Octavia is like a really big sci-fi author um, and this is one of her, um, like, standalone books. And I've just been getting, like, good reviews about it. So I was like, okay, I got to get on this. Um, just like I've said about all the other books I have on my to-be-read list. But um, <laughs> hopefully I start it soon when I have time. It's uh, it's pretty dangerous having a, having a to-read pile. I got to the point over Christmas that my to-read pile was as high as my desk. Um, oh. And yeah, it was it was just ridiculous. So I, I had to set aside a few days just to start sort of chopping at it like it was a big tree. Yeah, I kind of have it like dispersed all over my like desk and like <laughs> like just different little piles of like six books or like four books just kind of everywhere. So I'm like, oh, I have plenty of time to read all 50 of these books, but... <laughs> Then I go out and buy like four more, or I get recommended three more, and then I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I wonder if there's a helpline uh, for people that buy too many books and and don't have time to read them because I th- I'm sure they would I'm sure they would see a lot of service. I'm y- not yes. kidding. I saw an advert on YouTube the other day, and I felt so added because the start of it was, "Do you find yourself with too many books and not enough time to read them?" And I don't even know what the service was called. Because I genuinely said, oh, fuck you, and hit skip. <laughs> because I felt like I was being attacked. That's not fair. Wait, I would have said yes. I would have said, I need help. Please. <laughs> like, I, 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 reckon we, I reckon we contact them as a sponsorship opportunity, Nick. <laughs> yes. I want to be a spokesperson or like um, one of those people like, I too had problems with keeping up with my to-be-read list. Not having enough time to sit down and enjoy a book I just bought. <laughs> like, I would, oh, I would love that. <laughs> What's the nicotine patch equivalent? Is it just like a, a swift novella or like something? Probably adding more hours to the day. Yeah. That's, that's... Or, or a, a Kindle that fits on your glasses. Oh, oh good. Now, see, uh, <laughs> see I, I live in an area where I have to, I walk everywhere. So, um, <laughs> I might end up walking into the street when I'm not supposed to, or a lamppost. Getting hit like a boggle nose. Yeah. <laughs> yep, just like a... At least when you turn to look at the people in the car, they won't die. Like, oh, just, yes. just, just from looking at you. Just you. <laughs> just you. <laughs> uh, uh, or just get all your books in audio form perhaps from a lovely podcast with wonderful guests such as the tiny bookcase what is the point why am i doing this i'm sponsoring the podcast if you're no i'm so sorry if you're already here let's do it promo (laughs) welcome to an ad for our own podcast within the podcast because we're not sponsored uh i guess also raid shadow legends isn't that what everyone's doing raid shadow legends is i hear i think we i think they will see throw affiliate links around like their candy as well it's made yeah. me not want to play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Just it, if someone tells me to do something enough, I get a bit 
defiant mm. and stick my heels in. Yep. Yeah, I'm not fucking playing your game, <laughs> even if it is good. Right. Speaking of things that are good, Winnie, yes. what is the best book you've ever read? Ooh, okay. That would have to be The Giver um, by Lois Lori. I think that's, oh, I'm probably butchering her name. I'm so sorry. Um, or is it Lewis? No, Lois. One of those. But it's called The Giver. That's, um, I read that again when I was maybe 11, 12, and I just fell in love with the story and how she wrote it and how she, I, I, I can't say anything without giving out spoilers about the book, but just the way she was so inventive with telling the story and the characters and showing their emotions and everything. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know you could do this with reading or reading, with writing. Mm. Like, it was just so cool. And I was like, I want to do this. And then, I, well, I started talking instead of actually writing. And then my parents got sick of it. And they're like, put this on paper. And I was like, okay. And then I just kind of <laughs> took off from there. Well, but is, The Giver the is really what you. started it for me. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. That's that's great. So is it um is it is it YA? Um yes. Right. It is. Because you am I right in thinking that you primarily write YA? Um I mm, it's more of like well, I've been heard new adult kind of because uh, my characters aren't really um, YA central, like centered, but I mean, yeah, I, w- I would have to say um, if we're going by like the standard, yeah, yeah. YA is kind of what I stick to. YA mm-hmm. and fantasy and sci-fi because I love fantasy and I love sci-fi. So I was ugh, just, it's great. They're great because you get to make up your own rules and do what you want usually. And the book that got it started was The Giver by, was it Lois Lowry, did you say? Yes. Yep. Well, there we Fantastic. go. I think we'll be looking that one up. Uh, well, I'm going to hit you with the, the reverse of that question there. What's the worst <laughs> book you've ever read? The worst? Ooh. And yeah, feel Ooh, free to be it. as absolutely savage to a fellow author as you possibly can be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't. It was okay because I can't remember her name, <laughs> so that's a good thing. I'm I'm terrible with names, but I, I can't remember her name. But she had um we had she was like, hey, I just wrote this book. I would love you check it out. I read it. I oh goodness, I don't know. I um it was I I feel like it was more of a fan fiction than. Uh, uh, it was yeah and I was like oh my she was like how was it and I was like oh I don't want to lie to her <laughs> but at the same but at the same time you just sort of telling her I really like the cover it was a nice black cover well there we go then uh, <laughs> that's point one you've already got one positive yeah. what was the um, what was the and, fanfic of what was what was the fanfic? Do you think it was? No, it wasn't a fanfiction. It was an actual published book story. Just fanfiction quality. Yes. Right. Okay. Very much. You know, like people I say am... that. Um, what's the, what? What is the Twilight one? That's a fanfic of. Oh, are you oh, talking Fifty Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey is Twilight fanfic. Is that yeah. right? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. They, I. Oh. They all mixed together in my head a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, he's that just one. read them so many times. It's all <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely that one. 
<laughs> but uh, you can't remember any plot details, so we can defend ourselves against this monstrosity, no? Um, a plot detail. There wasn't really much of a plot. Like I'm, se- <laughs> like I'm serious when I, like, <laughs> my brain has like, oh, a- a- wiped the name and the. I was just like, I was reading it and I was like, what is the story here? Who, like, the main character. I forgot. I'm gonna call her Susie, but Susie. I don't know what Susie was doing uh, half the time. She was with this guy who was apparently her love interest, but they had no type of chemistry at all. Like, it was like two pieces of wet cardboard just always. uh, It was, (laughs) I was just like, oh my goodness. It sounds fucking thrilling. (laughs) It, it, yeah, because I was, I was, I was like, I wanted to go back and read it to maybe see if I could find the plot. But at the same time, I didn't want to make myself suffer again to read it. <laughs> like, because, <sighs> goodness. You really opened the ruthless floodgates here, Ben. <laughs> I'm guessing the answer to this, uh, this next question is is Susie. No, it's definitely not. It can't it. be Susie. It can't it's be Susie. Susie. I'm uh, giving her um, a, a fake so, name, so. <laughs> so Sus- Susie is your favorite literary character, right? I, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, who is it? Who is your favorite literary character? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I don't want to be biased and say one of my characters, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to say probably... What's his name? See, I'm terrible with names. Um, who's on the... Oh, Matilda. There it is. She oh. was my favorite. From the book, yeah, Matilda. Going old school with the Roald Darwin. Yes, he was my favorite, like, book, like, not book, author when I was a kid. Like, everyone was like, Dr. Shoes. I was like, no. Matilda, the big friendly, like, favorite. That's very <laughs> British as well. We we don't really get Dr. Seuss over here at all, but Roald Dahl <laughs> is a goddamn institution. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think I, like, when I was younger, I read all of his, like, novels like, I just loved the drawings, and then I loved the stories and characters, but Matilda was the coolest, because she could move things with her mind, and, like, she was just like, okay, I don't, like, you guys are trying to take me away? Nope. I'm gonna stay with, like, Miss Honey. I love, I love Matilda. She was great. She's awesome. Did, uh, that's, that's a lovely, lovely reason to, to like that character, I think. Did you get the, um, the Quentin Blake illustrations in the States, or did you get different covers? Yeah, well, okay, so... Um, when I was younger, my mom um, used to serve in the military, so uh, we lived in Germany for about wow. three, almost three years. So when I was over there, that's where I like got introduced to Ralph and Ralph, Ralph. Oh, sorry, <laughs> and um, his literature. So I got like the fun illustrations and the books with the illustrated covers. But then when we got back to the states. They weren't really, I mean, they had different covers. I know they do a lot of, like, the book-to-movie covers, which yeah. I don't really care for, but, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, that's that's fascinating. It's, so you had a real sort of, very few people would have had that experience then, really, will they? Like, growing up on, so were you literally growing up on an army base, reading Roald Dahl? <laughs> yes. Wow. Basically. <laughs> that's fascinating. It's really cool. Yeah. So I'm interested interested to to go on then. Um, 
when you are writing, so inspired by The Giver and possibly earlier with the Roald Dahl and thinking about Matilda and this kind of thing, what is your actual process of writing? Like, how do you put pen to paper? How do you structure your books? What's your editing process? All that kind of thing. I always start out with an outline because I like to know what I'm going to write, even though it's not it, like 99% of the time doesn't go exactly to the tune of the outline. But I get an outline down, write out what's going to happen from this to this to that to beginning to end. Then I write <laughs> and I write and I write. Then I sleep and then I write and then I write. And it just and then in between there I eat. And then that process continues until I have a completed draft. So fairly intense. Yes. <laughs> Very. I I usually can if like if I'm in the zone, I can get at least maybe three thousand to five thousand words a day. Like if I'm just like in the zone, just writing, 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 writing. Yeah, that's pretty pacey. But, do, do you find it difficult not to edit? Do you sort of edit as you go? Or do you very much have the approach that you just, you're, you're flying first, you know, first draft words down the page? Oh, words down. If words. I start editing as I go, I, mm -mm. like English is my first language, but I do not speak or write it very well. So mm. I would be, it would take me probably longer to finish a book or finish a manuscript if I like, edit as I go because I would lose my mind I'd be like oh my gosh and then I get sidetracked and then I get a new subplot and then now I, I don't know where I am so I just kind of try to get it get it on the paper or get it on my computer leave it be and I, I hate editing so I kind of leave it be for like maybe a couple of weeks like don't touch it don't look at it don't don't mess with it and then like I come back and I'm like okay time to edit I can 100% get that. I have to, uh, this is a little fun fact for anyone listening, I have to work my way around my horrible typos in my stories. Because if, <laughs> yes. if I proofread them before I read them out on the podcast, I'll start adding and removing and changing too much. I get too involved. So I'll do you know, a read-through just to make sure it makes sense. But I, I can't edit until you know it's going to be actually where other people can see it. I think I, I fully understand your, your method there. Right. Winnie, another question, yeah. because I am unrelenting. Let's <laughs> say, if you could take a book and adapt it into another medium, so it doesn't have to be film, it could be any medium of your choice. Right. What book would you adapt to what medium and why? Oh. Hmm, let's see, let's see. What book would I adapt? Ooh, actually, since we were on the topic of Dr. Seuss, I'd probably take, because I had a, I was talking about him earlier today too, Um, probably take his book, one of his books, or any of his books, and put it into an abstract, like, eight-by-eight eight painting, and just Ooh. hang it up on someone's wall, like, oh, that would be awesome. Um, That's a really cool answer. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm kind of keen because I'm also an artist. <laughs> so okay. I yeah, that's what I'm. Well, that's my major in um university. I'm a studio art major, so I paint and I draw. So just kind of love combining those two um mediums too. That'd be but, yeah. exceptionally cool. Would you, would you retain the art style or would you would you do your own? Do you think? 
I think I would do my own. Yeah. Um, just because I am putting it. Well, technically, anytime you are painting, you're in, it's in your own style because everyone has their different way of um, creating their art. Um, even if you are copying someone else's art, you can always tell the differences. So I would probably, you know, find my way through his art in my own, if, if that made sense. Yeah, yeah. So the the words to, to Dr. Seuss are kind of the... I think they, they are as important as the imagery because they've always been paired together. But would they carry over into the art, do you think? Yeah, I could see that. Um, I had a friend who or classmate who did um, textiles and um, text printing. Um, and for like her final, we, um, like how she used words to create like human figures and body parts was like really cool. Um, so I'd probably do something like that, like making like, say one fish two fish and like putting the words in the shape of a fish something like that i dig it i, I, I really that, do I, I, think, I think you should do this uh yeah make it happen <laughs> yes probably if i have time <laughs> <laughs> in between novels perhaps yes this one's quite an interesting one uh, we get we get really mixed answers to this um when did you last cry whilst reading a book oh um, let's see. Probably, well, besides that terrible book I had to read, <laughs> which, <laughs> Tears Susie, of Pain. <laughs> Susie, brought, Susie brought tears to your eyes. Yes, Susie. Oh, God, Susie. Um, I would probably say one of my, my latest book, The Lone Star Child. Um, like, after I, after I, like, there was, like, a scene I had wrote, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, why would I do this thing? I'm so sorry. And I'm oh, like, weeping over your own characters. That's a new one. I, yeah. I, I like it was like the first I was like, because I, I do some pretty messed up things to my characters. <laughs> so I'm I was, I was like, why is this one like this one was hitting me? I was like, goodness. I was like, I put this one through the ringer. I am so sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. Unlike pets and children, you can actually abuse your fictional creations. Yeah. And no one can take them away from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I, I I just sometimes I feel like when I especially when I'm doing like research on like how do you behead somebody or like how does like how does a sword cut through your arm like things like that I'm like goodness like <laughs> like this is kind of <laughs> yeah like what was the uh the book that Benjamin recommended in episode three oh, I think is yeah. it yeah. We'll have to refer you to our previous episode, Winnie. Our, our guest writes a lot of horror, and he has a Ooh. a book on how different injuries affect the body, and you know how hypothermia damages your organs in your skin, and detailed breakdowns. It sounded horrific to me personally, yes. but it could it be quite funny. a useful tool. It was deliberately written as a writer's resource, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's in the Benjamin Langley's episode that one. It's a, awesome. a, a useful tool, a useful tool. I I like that. I like that. So this was from your book. <laughs> the did you say that it was called The Lone Star? Yeah, The Lone Star Child. The Lone Star Child. Um, and you have three books out, am I right? Yes, three book babies. Three book babies. <laughs> and they're all in a part of one series. Yes. One series, The God Scion. And I'm current kind of currently sort of 
maybe possibly working on the fourth book. Um, oh, you heard to it see first. how <laughs> exciting. Right. We're coming back to that. Don't you worry. <laughs> but I'm going to interrupt because once again, regular listeners and get ready for the pain, new listeners. It is Nico's favorite question, not just in the podcast, but in the entire world. Uh-oh. Winnie. Uh-oh. Um, you can't see because we're on different continents, but I'm giving yeah. you a really hard stare directly into my microphone. Okay, I can see it. Can you tell me? No, not can you tell me. You will tell me. Oh, oh. One, <laughs> one <laughs> fact about yourself that is completely uninteresting. Okay. One fact about... Hmm. Um, my... Hmm. I painted my toes. That, <laughs> does that count? Okay. But... Oh, wait, wait. I'm not done. Whoa, hang on now. <laughs> Whoa, now. I'm I, ready. I, I didn't finish them. So... <laughs> Uh, oh god I, well i actually don't wish you guys could see this but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're it's a work in progress so they're not completed i was supposed to complete them saturday um i'm aware it's now tuesday uh yes okay, that no, is I, <laughs> it's I, my I need... I need clarity here. When you say you painted your toes, do you mean that you took a canvas and upon it you have begun to craft an image of your toes? Or do you mean you put paint on the end of your feet? Uh, the, the boring one. Paint <laughs> on the end of my feet. No, that's not the boring one. That's the interesting one. Oh. <laughs> is it, is it, was it in the sort of situation where you're wearing shoes where you could, they could only, people could only see some of the toes so you didn't have to paint all of the toenails? Um... No, they were open. <laughs> um, I I think yesterday I was going to pick up mail and I looked down and I was like, these are not, I did not complete this. And I was like, I should do that when I get back. But again, that was yesterday and <laughs> I painted the Saturday. You're, you're um, saying I did not complete this. What's the end game here? Um, to <laughs> To have all ten toes um, painted. Why? I feel like I feel like I feel like Nick hasn't ever encountered people with painted toenails before. No, this are we saying? Are we saying the toenails are painted or the toes are painted? The toenails. I, oh I, man, I'm so dis. I, I was for real. I was in a place where you were painting the entire toe. <laughs> I was on a journey. Toenails, no, that's I, fine. See, I that told you it was the boring fine. one. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, it's late here, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna paint. I'm gonna paint my actual toes and put it on Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh goodness! <laughs> see, with, I would never, what? unless I'm doing like going to a. Pro- I'm probably like with one of my friends are going to go to a professional and let them handle this mess I created um, because <laughs> I oh goodness I don't know what I did um, which is concerning because they're my toes but I don't know what I did so the mistake you made was stopping 
on just doing the keratin parts. You should be working around the flesh as well, as I've just explained. <laughs> That's the obvious answer to that problem. Why? I just find new ways to sound dumb as hell every episode, just... don't I? This is... oh, it's I, a gift. I can almost see you imagining like dipping pots for toes oh. ra- rather than paint, you know, little paintbrushes, just sort of dunking your toes in paint. <laughs> oh, uh. I don't know why I said this. <laughs> After I said it, I was like, I don't even like toes. Why would he bring this up? You don't, you don't like toes. What did toes ever no. do to you? <laughs> Wait, who the... Ugh, they're just like... <laughs> we don't kink shame here. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. I just... I don't... Well, I don't... Okay. <laughs> no, I don't like toes. I'm sorry. Imagine Unless it, you're one of them toe painting freaks out there. <laughs> Imagine getting cancelled for for kink shaming foot fetishists. I, I don't I, know, man. I'd they be okay with that. They I... can lob. They can lobby pretty hard. I, I would assume. What they can lobby? You know, get out there, really pound the streets. I like how we both went different ways with that. <laughs> Just talked over each other like near fights. <laughs> we're leaving it in. We're leaving it all in. Oh, this... oh, oh. no, 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 no. Right. They've two foot related uninteresting facts in a row. What a weird world we're living in. Oh, goodness. I'm going, if I hear this back, I'm just going to delete. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get our first Twitter from my memory. <laughs> when this part comes up, I'm just going to pass through. I'm just going to fast forward. Cause, uh. <laughs> well, fast forward to this bit. Where we talk about your upcoming work. Ooh. So you mentioned be- beginning work on a fourth book. Any yeah. any details that you can tell us? Um, it, it's the fourth book. Uh, it has an outline, and I've written two words called chapter one. <laughs> Uh, so have I we, don't know. Have we caught you on the precipice right before your week-long writing bonanza of getting 5,000 words a day starts then? Have we caught you between? Uh, kind of. <laughs> I, I was supposed to start this morning, but then I woke up and I said, um, no, thank you. I'm not going to do that today. Uh, but I, I don't know why. I was like, I had a plan this March. I was going to you know, a thousand words a day, and then that'll be about thirty-one thousand at the end of the month, and I'm still at just two. So, <laughs> don't know how I. They happen. Today. They happen. Those kind of months happen for sure. So we're we're not getting a a fourth one imminently. No. But <laughs> tell us tell us a bit more about the the first three. What what kind of stuff? can we find in those books what what will people get if they pick up the god scion well um i do like uh to say it's kind of like it has all the fun elements of fantasy with like dragons and fairies and princes and princesses but also it's mixed with like modern times so there's cell phones and cars um and paparazzi so all, you know, all the fun things and um, a lot of trauma, uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of sad, sad people um, that kind of have a very sad lives. 
even though they're put in these um, places where, um, or places of power where you would think that they would be okay, either mentally or physically or emotionally, but they're really not. So um, a lot of my, or all of my books are very like character development, character heavy, um, just exploring the characters and how they work in their environments and um, like how they work with each other and interact with each other and how like say if both of them had like two characters had experienced something together they might interact or act out differently one may have a more positive outlook on life when one may say you know what I'm going to go and destroy the planet because you know I'm traumatized uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this idea of just, why are you destroying the planet? Hey, I'm traumatized, okay? <laughs> we don't dig shame here. <laughs> are those toes? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, you just can't listen to any of this now. <laughs> yes. Where I, oh, can... goodness. Just, I'm because, okay, so my mother and my dad are like always my biggest supporters. I told him, I was like, I'm going to be on a podcast. You're like, oh, awesome. We can't wait to listen to it. And now I'm like, oh. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> Hello, Winnie's parents. <laughs> you, I'm going to give created them the those wrong. toes, those famous, <laughs> famous toes. Good work. <laughs> so <laughs> where, where could people buy your books from, Winnie? You can buy my books. They're available in Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and draft to digital for ebook um, distribution. And you can also check them out on my website, winsbooks.blog, you know, distributed worldwide. So Excellent. everyone can, you know, get a little piece. And uh, where can people find you on the socials? Well, I'm everywhere. And, oh, goodness, where was I going with that? I don't know. Um, you you are everywhere. At... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm everywhere. I'm omnipotent. Yes. I think that's the right one. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, back to the question. Um, wins books too, as well on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, emails, <laughs> W I N S books. Um, that's where I'm at. I'm ev- again, I'm everywhere. So, you know, just check me <laughs> out. I'm either talking about my art or I'm talking about my traumatized characters I just <laughs> wrote. Well, it's been an absolute joy having you on. And uh, really enjoyed your story and really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you thank for you dipping for your toes into me. podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been sitting on it. Don't, oh, don't no. do that. Don't, don't sit on my toes. <laughs> what have I just told you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, thank you for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us on this episode of The Tiny Bookcase. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on your chosen service so that you don't miss out on future episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Bookcase Tiny, where you can talk to us directly and even suggest prompts for upcoming stories. If you're not a tweeter, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Just search for The Tiny Bookcase. Now, if you want to support the podcast, and we'd really appreciate it if you did, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash the tiny bookcase. And then you can be just as special as these story seekers. Do we thank them? 
think so. Well, then it's a huge thank you to the legendary Matthew McLaren and the absolutely epic Scott Byrne for their support. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Next week. Make it slimy. (laughs) Make it slimy, Nick.